The vicious voices of the right are out in full force, and it's time for us to get up and organize against the heartless attacks on our civil rights. Start your morning diving into the headlines and issues that matter to our everyday lives, speaking with changemakers and hearing from you, our listeners. Hear your host, Zerlina Maxwell, break down the top news, push for solutions from officials who represent us, and call out the misinformation and hypocrisy that surrounds us, plus the engaging stories that keep you energized. Get your morning boost of politics, culture, and everything you need to start your day. It's always darkest before the dawn, but the dawn is here. Shining a light on the ruthless forces across the aisle and rising for a brighter future for all of us. This is Mornings with Zerlina. Welcome to Mornings with Zerlina. I'm Zerlina Maxwell. Joining us on the phone to discuss their book, Controlling Women, What We Must Do Now to Save Reproductive Freedom, Julie Kay and Kitty Colbert. They're both amazing and have a long history um, in fighting for reproductive health care, one involved in Planned Parenthood v. Casey before the Supreme Court, and the other is a co-founder of the Center for Reproductive Rights. So the best people to talk to today. Good morning. Happy Friday. Thank morning. you. Happy Friday to you. Um, I'm so excited to talk to you, even though obviously the context of this particular moment, not that exciting. Um, Catherine and um, Julie, both, you should know, um, are lawyers who have been doing work in this area for decades. Um, Julie um, began her legal career at the Center for Reproductive Rights, um, and you helped lay the groundwork for legislation to um, to legalize abortion in Ireland. Um, and Catherine um, was one of the lawyers who appeared at the Supreme Court in Planned Parenthood v. Casey. So I wanted to say that before we started, so you know that I am talking to the people <laughs> that know what to do next, <laughs> hopefully. So um, my first question is in this book um, and in your statements um, post-ops, you said that in order for reproductive freedom um, really to be established um, as a fundamental right here in this country beyond a Supreme Court decision saying so, we need to frame abortion as a human rights issue. What does that mean? And what would that look like if we began doing that? Well, thank you for asking. I always like to frame this as a human rights issue because I think it's something that we all know that the decision about whether and when and with whom to have a child or not is one of the most uh, fundamental decisions that we can make in our lives. And it goes to whether we have control of our own bodily autonomy, liberty, and freedom from discrimination. So we talked about it in this country a lot as a right to privacy, and that's how the Supreme Court mm. framed it in Roe. But if we look at the history of the reproductive justice movement in this country and what women of color and fundamentally um, Black women from the South started this movement in the mid to late 90s, um, it really is about both sides of that decision of how do we bring the, a child into the world or not, uh, and what does that mean for us as human beings? I love this because this is exactly what I think um, we need to be doing in this particular moment. In terms of Planned Parenthood v. Casey, you mentioned that we've framed this issue um, around privacy. And that comes from this idea that, you know, in, in that particular case, the analysis, and I went to law school, never practiced law, so I'm going and correct me if I make any errors in my explanation. Um, but the basics of that were... The decision between a husband and a wife are about birth control or con contraception um, 
is a private decision. And then there's this penumbra of rights um, that the court said we get to decide. Is 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 that different um, than framing it as a human rights issue? You've already said sort of yes, but sort of my question is why is that so different? And in terms of that particular framework, did it did it even at the time when you were arguing it seem like it may not? be the right framing. So Serlina, thank you uh, for having us on. And uh, let me just say that the privacy concept that was originally established in Roe was broadened uh, in later cases. And by the time uh, the court got to Planned Parenthood versus Casey, they started talking about the rights to liberty, the rights to autonomy, and the rights to equality. And all of those issues were uh, woven into the Casey decision. But the important part here is that um, I don't actually think whatever the framing is makes a difference mm. today. Mm-hmm. And that's because we've tried all the good arguments. Mm-hmm. And this is about power. This mm-hmm. is about having five votes on a court that is ultra conservative, that is unwilling to enable women to make important decisions, however we talk about them. Uh, in their lives. And so to me, uh, this is really about math, that is five votes against us on the Supreme Court, and the math in state legislatures and in Congress. Will we have the power to make change? And so Julie and I often say, you know, we got to quit hitting our heads against that marble staircase. We got to quit relying on the courts, and we got to begin to organize. And organizing means uh, getting the political power to make change. This is so important. And I'm so glad that that was your answer because it's like, forget the framing. We're people and people deserve to be able to decide what happens to their bodies and to their lives by extension. So if we're in this new world where we're like, forget our legal arguments, not forget Center for Reproductive Rights is still going to be doing that. ACLU is still going to be doing that. All of these organizations, they're going to be working in the courts. Um, but once we get to this place where it's like, it's not really about winning the legal argument. Do, do you think that we have to spend a lot of time convincing anyone or is it really just about the organizing piece? Because the majority of the country does support choice. We saw what just happened in Kansas where a red state, bright red state, you know, without the obstacle of gerrymandering comes out and they're like, we actually support a woman's right to choose here in, in the red state of Kansas. The majority, vast majority of us. Um, so do we just need to what do, organizing do we need to do? Well, I think oh, it's oh, a couple. Uh, Sorry, I, think it's a couple I can't of see things. you guys. So, right. <laughs> but thank you. Sorry. So much. Well, I'll let go Julie ahead. go first. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. I think there's yeah, you know, there's three things we need to do. I mean, first of all, is that we have lost access to abortion in many states already. Some because mm-hmm. the laws have changed. Others because uh, anti-abortion foes have been over sort of beating their chests and saying that they're going to come after people and sort of almost pre-criminalizing things. So we need Mm. to help the women and people who are traveling for abortion services and particularly those who don't have access to resources. So teens, low-income people, uh, women in rural areas, um, this is disproportionately affecting women of color. So we need to provide services. We need to support abortion funds. We need to support those who are giving access to medication abortion. 
And then we do need to turn out in the mass movement. I mean, Kitty and I often say everybody has to do something. We don't all have to do the same thing. Mm -hmm. um, we've seen some corporate and religious leaders even step up for the first time and say that they support the right to abortion. As you said, Zelina, this isn't a controversial issue. This is one that the vast majority of Americans believe in. Up to about 70% of people want the uh, framework of Roe versus Wade of access to abortion and about one in four women will have an abortion in her lifetime. Um, I'm gonna let Kitty talk about the politics mm -hmm. of how we engage in that as well, because I think that's a key piece um, to our mass movement and organizing. Yeah, so Zulina, so, let me just say that uh, this is a long fight, mm. okay? I think anyone who expects this to turn around in November uh, has to readjust and think about this as what they're going to do for their lifetime. Uh, because the preservation of reproductive freedom and justice is so critical to their lives forever. Okay, so we need to not only win it back, but preserve it over the long term. So in the short term, the politics are real simple. Uh, you've got to support the Democrats. Why? Because the Democratic Party supports abortion rights uh, and uh, many more services for women so that they can raise their kids in safety and dignity. Uh, but in the so that means uh, not just voting once a year or once every four years, but there are two elections every year in the primary and the general election. Mm -hmm. And it's every year, not just presidential years. And unfortunately, Democrats like to vote every four years and forget about the time in between. But electing state legislatures is key. Mm -hmm. And um, because they're the ones who are yep. wrecking havoc with our lives. And it's let me just say the Supreme Court was pretty clear about a roadmap for expanding their reasoning to a whole host of other rights, things like uh, gay marriage and, and LGBTQ sexuality and contraception. And we're already beginning to see uh, state legislatures trying to restrict them uh, and those rights, uh, attacks on trans people, attacks on, on gay marriage, attacks on contraception. Uh, and so we need, any time we unseat the bad guys, mm -hmm. uh, we are moving forward. And that takes hard work. So what do you got to do? You got to make phone calls. You got to canvas. And that's a lot of people don't like to canvas. They say, oh, I, you know, I, I, I talk to people and it's I don't get anybody that's helpful. The reality is you don't need everybody. Yep. You only need 5%. Okay, so talk to 100 people, 95 of them are going to make no difference. Five will. And mm -hmm. that's who you are focusing on. And, and let me just say one more thing about Kansas, which is Kansas took hard work for yep. many years. Okay, it was a huge and wonderful victory, but it's not replicable without millions and millions of dollars and many, many uh, feet on the ground. Um, and so we need to think very seriously about uh, making sure that uh, political campaigns have that have those resources um, because it just doesn't happen. Uh, by accident. Canvassing, people are scared of it, but I, I just want to make a pitch for canvassing. That was my very first job in politics was as a field organizer for Barack Obama. And um, I did a lot of canvassing in my day. Let me just tell you, at, at the end, by the end of that, I was like, I don't even really like Barack Obama anymore because I'm so tired. My legs hurt. I have sunburn. Like I have a weird like shirt tan, <laughs> you know, like I have pimples because I'm touching stuff and then touching my, you know, there's all these kinds of things that where you're just like, this is hard. However, I think back on it as like 
the best experience because in politics, um, be, number one, because you have to you have to know the issues when you're talking to people on the doors. They're like, but what about this? And what about that? And you have to know you have to know. And um, they give you all of that information. So you're you're good. You're like on there and you're you're like, but but what about this? And what about that? And you're just having a conversation. It's like getting to know your neighbors. That's really what the intention is for you to sort of talk to your neighbors about the issues in your community. Um, and and oh, oh, yeah. Sorry. So, well, so I just, I know I'm going to get friends saying, well, I can't canvas. I have a child, I have a job, I have this and that. And so I think it's also possible to do it by texting now. You by can text banking. They've So much technology has improved since my day, right? Since back in the day of 2008, when like I was going with a Palm Pilot. I'm not joking. That's <laughs> true. Um, or a piece of paper and a folder. Um, and now it's a lot more fancy, but it's a really good point. Text banking, phone banking. You can email people, you can put stamps on postcards and not even talk to another person. Um, There are a lot of ways to do it. But but can you also speak to the length of this fight? Because I think that's that I wrote that down as you said it, because I think that even how you framed it, this is a lifelong fight for those. So for the rest of my life, for the rest of your life, um, your lives, um, this is a fight for human rights and the idea that women are people deserving of those rights. Um, why is it so important for us to get out of this idea that like it ends in November or it ends in 2024 or it ends when Trump's like, I don't know where he goes, but is not a part of our daily conversation or it ends when, you know, Justice Alito is replaced by someone else. Like it doesn't end there. It just keeps going. I I think for exactly, you know, what we're talking about here, because it's about control. It's about Mm -hmm. deciding you know, who gets to have families and where and how. And this is one of those issues where both gender equity and race equity really intersect. And so Mm. we need to bring in allies. We need to bring in people who understand that access to health care exists within a bias and racist system. When we look at who's going to get prosecuted for trying to self-induce abortion or for helping somebody access abortion where it's not legal or where it's not fully accessible, Mm -hmm we're sort of merging a racist criminal justice system with a racially biased healthcare system. And so this is part of those bigger issues. I think abortion has always been sort of a wedge issue and an issue that the far right has really had a lot of success in elections, but we need to bring in allies. We need to talk about this as sort of two sides of a coin of the decision of access to abortion or to have a family and to have food security and housing security, all those kinds of things. Um, you know, our constitution was not designed with women and people of color in mind. And so we've gotten where we need to go through privacy arguments and kind of, you know, scotch tape and string to make it all work. But I think ultimately we need to have a constitutional amendment that really recognizes Mm. gender equity. And that's going to take a while. I don't think it will take a long time to get back our abortion rights. We've seen that people care about this. They're going to vote that way. If it's the Democrats who are you know, leading on that issue, we'll vote for them. But at this point, I don't think we need to turn every red state to blue. We need to turn every red state to being in favor of abortion rights. And I think we'll get there. But long term, we really need to recognize what's, you know, that this is about control. Mm. So, so, Serlene, I, I also think uh, looking at what our opponents did over the last 50 years is very instructive. Because the the two things that they did is they started almost immediately after Roe was issued. And second, they uh, were relentless. 
And that's why I say you got to make this a lifetime goal, because just because we win in one state or another state or even in Congress, the minute they have the votes to overturn that win, uh, they will do so. Um, and they won't stop working for their cause. So we can't either. But the second thing, and I think this follows up on what Julie was just saying, is we think we need to have a constitutional amendment in the long term. And to get that, you need both a majority in Congress, one that is that can overcome the filibuster. You need a president. Uh, and you need three quarters of the states. And so all the work we do to turn state legislatures in the short term to re to, re to reverse some of the bad laws in the states is also working in the long term to giving us the power to, to adopt a new constitutional mm. amendment that explicitly protects not just abortion rights and not just rights around uh, maternity and reproductive health care, but LGBTQ uh, rights, trans rights, rights around contraception, a whole host and panoply of uh, protections that explicitly say uh, women matter uh, and they ought to be uh, protected in the Constitution. Would that be a version of the Equal Rights Amendment? I think it has to be broader than the current Equal Rights mm -hmm. Amendment. Uh, the Equal Rights Amendment is a great building block. Uh, we did a whole lot of work to get it as far <laughs> as we got it. Uh, but I do think, uh, given this current Supreme Court, it's not over the long term going to be adopted. And we need to start again and think more broadly. Because, you know, as, as we said in the book, coalition is queen. Mm. Uh, that means, uh, you know, we have to pull together people who care about informational privacy and who care about racial justice issues and who care about LGBTQ IA issues and and women's issues as well. And so we also kind of emphasize that I mean this is the long haul. It has to be sustainable. It has to be fun. It has right. to be something everybody can do. And you know I've been traveling around the country and seeing some of the creativity that has gone into fundraising for abortion funds. Um, uh, Orly Color Labs has created a nail polish based on our book mm -hmm. called You Don't Control Me, and they're selling it. Oh, I'm getting that. Proceeds. Um, it's a bright red, like the cover of our oh, book. Oh, I love um, that. The proceeds go to uh, the LA-based uh, Women's Reproductive Rights Access Project that funds abortions nationwide. And so, you know, I couldn't have come up with the idea, but somebody who works in the nail polish field, I've had artists who are doing art and auctioning it off for um, abortion funds and, and to support some of the organizations that are so stretched thin because of people who are traveling because they can't get abortion services in their state or they can't access medication abortion. So it has to be, you know, something that fits. If you're already active, grab a friend, you know, kind of do something um, and do something that works for you and in your space and field. Everybody can do something. That is how we started the conversation. Um, and it's a perfect way to end the conversation because it's a long fight. And, you know, I love the idea of everybody doing something. So I, I say on the show a lot, like, whatever it is you, you do, whatever your special talent is or whatever help you can contribute do that if you paint paint if you sing sing if you dance dance if you if you are a graphic designer people need that all of these organizations need that if you just have money people need money um if you are a lawyer people need lawyers like there's lots of things um that can be done um in this area to help in this long fight the book is controlling women and i am so just actually honored to talk to both of you this morning um uh, because of just 
your contribution um, to the human rights movement <laughs> and the reproductive justice movement that we are all, um, I think, allies in. Co-conspirators? I don't know what the <laughs> word is, but we're teammates. Both. And yeah. <laughs> we so appreciate your having us on and your voice on this issue has been so important. Thank you so really much. Glad to be here. Thanks, Julian. Thanks for listening to Mornings with Zerlina. Check in for new episodes every weekday.